Hi, and welcome to the Fam Lab. I am Barrett, and I wanted to introduce this episode with my friend Kyle. Kyle, let us know what we get into in our fifth episode of the Fam Lab. This episode, we sat down with Wes McAdams and talked about the question of how do we help our kids love church more. So we sat down, talked about um, some practical things. Hope you get a lot out of it. Hey, you can do us a huge favor by rating and reviewing and subscribing to our podcast, as well as uh, sharing this with your friends, with your family, those that might benefit from some of these conversations. At the end of this episode, we have our very first lab results. And so we hope that you get something out of that. And again, if you want to contact us with questions, ideas, or things that you want to share with us, like some lab results, you can email us at hellofamlab at gmail.com. We won't waste any more of your time. Get into this great conversation. Hey, welcome. This is the Fam Lab. I'm Kyle Beard, and I've got Mikey and Rosalind here, part of the family ministry. And our guest today is Wes McAdams, the preaching minister. And we are really excited to have you on the podcast today, uh, Wes. Um, we're going to jump right into it. Cool. Sounds yeah. great. Um, so, <clears throat> what our topic is today is uh, how do we help our children, our our youths, our teens? Um, our kids love church, love going to church, um, enjoying worship and all that. And I think that's a definitely relevant topic because as parents, man, sometimes we're just dragging our kids and they are literally, uh, dragging their feet. They don't want to go, or they're just uh, have a bad attitude. Um, and so that's, we're going to wrestle with what that kind of looks like, especially, um, in, in children and in younger kids, but also in teenagers. And Mikey and Rosalind have a lot of, um, uh, thoughts on, on that as far as children's go. And so maybe you guys could share a little bit, um, maybe wrestle with this question. How do you help younger kids? Um, you know, when we're thinking, you know, uh, children that are in elementary school and maybe younger, how do you help them enjoy church and, and be excited about going uh, to participate in worship? What does that look like? Well, when I think about especially very little kids and the worship service time, I thinking about starting some habits with them that can help them understand what's going on in the worship service. And we, when they're, even when they're really little, they can do things like for our family, it was folding hands during prayer time. Mm -hmm. You know, even when our kids were toddlers, we taught them that this is prayer time. We're going to fold hands and we would hold their hands together even when they were really little. And now our whole family, even though our kids are older, we, all four of us are folding hands during every prayer, but the kids, as they grow, they start to realize that's, a different part of the service. You know, they hear a lot of adults speak during a worship service. But um, for our kids, I think it was helpful for them to learn that that prayer time was different, that that was a special way of talking. And it was neat to watch them as they got just a little bit older to know when to stop stop coloring or stop reading and to pause and, and fold their hands on their own. So it didn't take very long for them to learn that. So just establishing some habits, I think, helps them feel more comfortable. Yeah, that's great, Mikey. I think, yeah, creating those habits early on is very important. Um, in Proverbs 22, verse 6, it says, let's throw some scripture in here since this is a, a Christian podcast. Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. So creating those habits are uh, early on, it's a great idea um, and something that <clears throat> you have real experience with. So that's great. Yeah, I think one of the things that I've experienced, both me growing up and now having two elementary school kids of my own, and, and even when I was in youth ministry, was that it, it's all about that consistency. So it, it is, it's habit forming, you know, and, and doing things, like Mikey said, during the worship assembly, so that they they know what we're doing, they know how things go. But it's also that, that consistency where I found that families that are inconsistent in their attendance. Um, for them, it's even harder because it's like, well, we could stay home and watch TV or sleep in or whatever you do when you stay home, um, or we can go to church. Well, <laughs> when you put it that way, then then church loses out and, and watching TV wins. Uh, but when it's just something that you always do when your whole life, or, you know, I mean, it's not something that just because it hasn't always been your habit from the very beginning, and you're just trying to start new habits now, you know, it takes a while for it to get to that level. But when you do it 
week in and week out for months and months and months or years and years and years, then there's really no question about it. It's not you wake up and say, well, are we going to church today? It's right. just it's just what we do. And so you, you don't even really have that question in your mind. And, and I think that we, we sort of, we acclimate to things in our life and we, we just accept the fact that this is a part of my life and we don't question it. And I think that really helps kids to enjoy it more um, and get more out of it when they realize that there's really no question. This is just what we do as a family. Go ahead, Rosalind. Yes, I, I love that example of just parents being consistent and not making haphazard decisions mm-hmm. about church attendance. I think that makes a big difference. And I also think a lot about just the relationships that we have with our brothers and sisters in Christ and how um, I know that my kids always love it when we get together with other Christian families. Mm-hmm. That makes them want to come to church and to see their friends and not just in those organized settings. Like we have life groups that we attend um, and we we get to formally kind of sit down with our brothers and sisters in Christ and the kids are there and we're, you know, just talking about our weeks and learning more about God's word. But I will say it's those times where we've had those more informal get together with Christian families where they can see, hey, you know, these are my parents' friends mm-hmm. and their kids are my friends and we love each other and we want to be together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that just kind of translates into them wanting to come to worship to be with their friends. Yeah. I love that, Rosalind. And that that's really a benefit of intergenerational worship too, where you have the kids in with the older adults too and the relationships they can form even in the worship setting, I mean, I know of families who have bef- older families who have befriended younger families, and those kids love visiting them almost like another pair of grandparents, you know. And I've seen uh, empty nesters who help parents with little kids when they have more kids than they have laps to sit in, mm-hmm. you know. And I love seeing that intergenerational connections that they make. Getting together with other parents, like you said, Rosalind, I remember growing up and being uh, in elementary school and middle school and junior high, uh, high school, that we would get together with our friends. It wasn't an official life group, but it was just, we were just doing life together. Uh, and just that's just something that we did all the time. Like every Friday night was we're going to be at somebody's house, going to have pizza, we're going to hang out, play games, probably have some sort of worship thing just because we liked worshiping together. Um, and Wes, something you mentioned earlier about the consistency of when you go to uh, to church on Sunday morning, it's just what you do. Uh, Lee and I were talking about yesterday that we are coming home from, or not yesterday, but Sunday, uh, coming home and uh, our neighbors were out doing lawn work and it was, you know, 11.45 noon and we're thinking, man, that's just never been a thought of what do we do on Sunday morning? Do we do we go to church or not? Now, obviously I'm in a little bit different position just because uh, I work at a church, but growing up, that was never a question. That was that's just what you do because mm-hmm. we want to go and worship with other people. We want to honor God. We, we want to to participate in the things that God wants us to do. So, having that consistency is, I think, is very key. Like you said, Mikey, creating those habits, creating that consistency early on, will just continue on the rest of their life. They won't question, "Hey, what should we do this weekend?" It's okay. We're going to go to church on Sunday. What else? Uh, are we going to be fitting in or what do we need to change so that we can make it to go to church if we're traveling or whatever? Uh, you know, and and I've gotten kind of lazy about this over the years in, in the way I talk about things. But when I was growing up, we weren't allowed to call Sunday morning assembly church. Like right. we didn't say we're going to church. Um, if we, if we called the church building, the church, we got in trouble for that too. So, you know, and I, and I certainly have tried not to be the semantics police over the years and, and try to get, kind of get out of the habit of being a stickler for language and stuff. But I think on some level it is important to realize and to think of and have a mentality where you realize that church isn't something that I go to. Mm-hmm. It's something I'm a part of. It's, it's a community that I'm a part of. And, and like Rosalind was saying about life groups and, and getting together with other families, when our kids can see this is my this is my family this is the group of people that that I'm with all the time not just sunday mornings then then church quote unquote isn't just something that we go to it's this family that we're a part of it's like it, we wouldn't call you know our dinner you know if we if we had a family dinner on friday nights or whatever you wouldn't say well i'm going to family now you know it, it's, <laughs> it's not an event you're attending it's it's who you are it's something that it's a part of your life and so i think when our kids grow up feeling like they're a part of this community 
then the Sunday assembly is a joy. You know, it's mm-hmm. something that even even on days where you don't really feel like it, you you enjoy the fact that you're part of of something bigger than yourself. I love that, Wes. And it's a good reminder to not underestimate the power of processing what you experience with your kids, Mm -hmm. really talking to them about what you're doing, what they've experienced, what you've gone through together, asking them questions about it, explaining those concepts to them so that they really understand Mm -hmm. the deeper meanings behind it. And that way it's not, not just we're going because we're going, but we're going because we love God and we want to go worship him and we love our church family. We want to spend time with them and they understand why we're going all the time. Mm -hmm. And so it's not, just because that's just what we do, but there are big reasons behind it that are important mm-hmm. to us as a family. And, you know, processing every week after you leave a worship assembly, you know, can get a little routine. It can get a little tedious, but you can be creative with how you ask your kids questions about the worship service. You know, you know, what was one word you heard during the sermon today? You know, what is their answer? Always going to be Jesus, right? It's always Jesus. But why did Mr. West talk about Jesus today? What was it that Jesus did in the lesson today? You know, and yeah. just try to draw it out with, with follow-up questions. Start with mm-hmm. an easy one and then draw and get them to talking that way. Or talk to them about um, their feelings. What feelings did you feel during the worship service today? Well, you might have a fifth grader that says, I was bored. That's something to talk about. Why mm-hmm. do you think you felt that way? You know, what could we do to help you be more engaged when you're in the worship service, you know, what can we do to make you feel um, more a part of it? You know, or if they say, I'm tired. Well, do you think maybe we need to go to bed earlier on Saturday nights? Mm-hmm. You know, there are things that you can, even if they try to take it negative, you could still take it to a place of a learning experience. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't let them get away with those types of excuses sometimes of <clears throat> I, I am tired or I was bored. I mean, honestly, sometimes going and worshiping with other people can be kind of boring. Um, right. And, and you want to validate those yeah. feelings. You mm-hmm. definitely do. And let them know that whatever they were feeling is okay. They were feeling something very natural. I mean, we all feel bored time to time. Not when Wes is speaking. No, But we have been time. there and you know, and, it, and you do want to validate that before, before kind of redirecting it. Right. Right. Well, and I think, and you hit on this Mikey of explaining why it's important you know, going and diving deeper into not just this is what we do. Uh, explain the reasons why we go. Maybe explain why you like it. Go ahead, Rosalind. And one thing I was going to say in these discussions with our kids, I think, too, while we should have all of this on the table and, and have open, great conversation, that we ha- we have to be careful about being too negative sometimes about service and church and people that we come in contact with because they're internalizing all of that too. Not to say, you know, we we all have, you know, issues and we are not going to always get along with everyone. But at the same time, I mean, as Christians, we should be talking about things that we can do to work out situations, Mm -hmm. just not be Mm -hmm. negative because they're listening to that. And then we wonder why they don't want to come or engage with other kids or families is because we've been so negative. So it's just something to be mindful of, I think. Yeah. Go ahead, Mikey. Well, if we want to talk a little bit about uh, little kids in the worship assembly, because I think that's something on a lot of parents' minds. And, you know, if uh, I would suggest to parents with really small ones, toddlers, preschool age kids, even elementary kids, that it is important that you find them something to do or else they will find something to do. Absolutely. And it needs to be age appropriate and starting with the smallest little babies. It's okay if they bring a little something with them from home, a little comfort item or a little toy when they're small that's quiet and that you know will keep their attention. That's totally fine. And then as they get older, maybe you replace that with a sticker activity or uh, for my kids, it was those magnetic drawing boards that they could just clear and draw again. Magnadoodle? Is that right? Similar to a magnadoodle, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not a sponsor. Just right. <laughs> right. But but sticker pages or coloring pages, whatever holds their attention. And then as they get older, things like Bible story books and children's Bibles are awesome for kids during the worship service. My, my, my kids started um, with the toddler's Bible before they could even read and they could, we, I could find the story that we were talking about in the sermon for them and they could look at the pictures or my daughter surprised me recently by looking up during the communion service. She looked up 
the story in her children's Bible about the crucifixion and, and wow. resurrection. And yeah, it, it just blew me away that she made that connection on her own, that that's what we were thinking about at that time. You know, <clears throat> years ago when, um, when my oldest daughter, Grace, was, was younger, and then now that my youngest daughter, Eden, who's almost two and a half, which is a handful, talking about kids trying to make sure that if you don't give them something to do, they're going to figure out something to do. Um, older lady came up to Lee and I, and the lady said, I know that sometimes you get really frustrated that you're, you're not able to pay attention to what's going on. You're not able to really soak in and participate in worship. You, know, you have no idea what the sermon's about. Like You just really just sat there wrestling your child for an hour. That's okay, because you're teaching that child that this is, again, we're here to worship God, but that's you're taking care of that child. And the lady said, you know, you sitting there with, with Grace or Eden, you know, your role right now is to is to be the parent for them, is to to love them, and um, it's okay that you you don't always are able to to listen and know what's going on, and that I mean that is frustrating because you want to be fed yourself, but um, it, you don't think of it as well. I didn't get anything out of that today. You you were still there for your child, and that, that made an impact on me. I think Leah really uh, was thankful for that. That somebody else, especially. Uh, older than her, uh, took the time to explain something like that, that it's okay. It's not the end of the world that you didn't get anything out of it or their child, you had to wrestle them for an hour. Like, it's okay. Well, it's a season, right? Yeah. And, and it passes and it's a process. And in addition to having things for your kids to do, it's also good to be intentional about easing them into participation in the worship. You know, once um, your kids are old enough to know some of the songs, encouraging them, you know this song, sing it with us. You don't get them in participating in that part, helping them look up the Bible verses that are read during the scripture reading and following along and using your finger to help them if they're at that reading level. All of those things help them feel like they are a part of what is going on, and that's when they're going to enjoy it. If they feel like they're supposed to be there and it's for them and not just for the grown-ups, then they're going to enjoy coming. Right. And it seems like to me that that process, it begins whenever you begin that process. And so if you start that process when they're little bitty, even though they're not old enough yet really to comprehend or, or whatever, but but you're starting the process of getting them where they, they, uh, they are comfortable in this environment, where they're sitting still, where they're sort of listening, and you just ease them into that. If that begins when they're little, that's one thing. But if, if you wait until they're older, you still have to go through that process. Even, even if you're an adult, if you're an adult who's never gone to church, you've never sat in the assembly, you've, you've never, I mean, it's going to be a process that you've got to go through where you, you've got to, okay, focus, and, you know, there's not a million things, at least not here, you know, there's not a million things going on. It's one person speaking, or it's one person leading singing, and it's, you know, this participatory type of, uh, of an environment, this reflective and quiet, and, and that's different than a lot of environments that we're in. So no matter what your age, there's a process that goes, that you have to go through to where you can be fully engaged participant in the assembly. And so, I mean, that's just my encouragement to parents is just start as early as possible, or, you know, it's like planting a tree. The best Best time to plant a tree was yesterday, but you know if you didn't, then the best time is today. So you just start where you are, but you're going to have to go through that process, and it's frustrating. But learning anything, you know, learning how to feed yourself or tie your shoes or read—I mean, everything's a process, and it, it takes time. And, and the frustration—it's it, worth it, though, in the end. Wes, that's a great point. And one thing that makes me think of is that you know we all have a role to play when it comes to helping our children love being with. Uh, the saints and coming to worship service. And I think about just being the person sitting next to a family with little children and giving them encouraging words mm -hmm. is a big deal. And it can be so helpful. Uh, here at McDermott Road, we have a group of moms that come together and we pray for our children and that they grow and that they love God's word and learn God's word. And I think that's a great help for mm -hmm. families as well. But also I think about like being a Bible class teacher. And one thing I start thinking that we can, and as a Bible class teacher, I try to do this, is that when you miss a, a child from your class, be sure that you always let that child know that you miss them or, and that you miss that family. And also um, when they're missed, we pray for children that are missed that Sunday. So we look around and say, who's not here? Let's pray for that 
that child that's not here and then let them know we prayed for you. We mm-hmm. missed you. We want you here. We want you to come back. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's a again, there's a, a part that we can all play in, in helping encourage families and children to, to want to be here and want to worship with us. Yeah. They are looking forward to something. Um, you know, maybe they have a really cool uh, Bible class this year that is very interactive, or maybe there's just something that's going to be happening at the church building soon that they can be excited about. Well, getting them excited about going, obviously this is what we're talking about, but something that they are looking forward to. If they're coming to worship with the adults and, and they're just not excited, maybe just because they don't feel like they have a role, they don't feel like it's anything for them. And so making them feel loved, I think that's great, Rosalind, of, of letting them know that they are missed or that, that they're cared about, that they're thought about. Um, and just letting them know that you are just as much of a participant as any adult is, any any other person. Um, It looks different for you because you're a child and we're adults, but we're still participating in worshiping God. Um, And explaining those things to them, whether or not they understand, is is a a good stepping point. Like you said, Wes, if if you start when they're young, great. If you start it when they're older, great. Whenever you start it, do it, be consistent. Um, and just help them to know that they are a participant as well. So we talked a lot about um, maybe the the positive things of younger children. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, older children, you know, t- teenagers or older elementary, um, of maybe hel- helping them be more um, of a participant in worship, getting excited about worship, wanting to come. Um, I have an eight-year-old, and... One thing that we try to do is she's old enough to kind of explain or kind of understand uh, a lot more that's going on, able to actually sing the songs. And so we do that when we're, when we stand up, we, everybody stands up. She's not sitting on the chair, still coloring. Like she is getting up. Um, and same thing with, I think middle schoolers and high schoolers, if they have a bad attitude, Hey, we're still going to stand up. I'm sorry. That's, we're all participating. You may not want to do it. Um, but we we're doing this together. Um, but what are, what are some other things of how we, how can we help older students, um, you know, middle school, high school become, uh, more, have, have more of a love for, uh, for God and, and participating in worship. What do you think? Well, I think, I think what you just said is, is the key. You said have a love for God. I think that's where it has to start. It has to be what, what motivates any of us to enjoy the assembly? If it's just about what we do in the assembly, and, and I think that there's a lot of churches that go down that path of trying to, um, to make the, the assembly be so exciting and right. quote-unquote enjoyable that it competes with, you know, Disney or whatever, you know, that it competes with the entertainment value of the world. And and I, I just don't think that's that's a healthy path for a lot of different reasons. Um, it has to be we're here because we love Jesus, and so that doesn't that doesn't happen in the assembly. It happens outside of the assembly that our young people are falling in love with Jesus, and when they're in love with Jesus, and they understand that you know the sermon I'm preaching this morning is that G Je- or this morning no on Sunday uh, this coming Sunday is it's about Tuesday. Jesus. I know <laughs> it feels like it's Sunday already, um, but that Jesus is leading a movement. And, and that's what it is. And, you know, and young people understand that. I mean, you, you look around at the world today and, and every generation, it's been that way. Every every generation of young people, they look for a movement to attach themselves to and say, you know, what what movement is going on in, in my culture that I want to be a part of, that, that I can see that this is bigger than myself and I want to attach myself to that movement of people? Well, Jesus has has been leading a movement for 2,000 years, and I don't know that we always think about it that way. And when young people just think of church as just some boring thing that my parents want me to go to on Sunday, no wonder they're bored. But this is something Jesus is leading a movement of human beings saying this is a different way of being human that doesn't always line up with every other alternative movement and alternative way of being a human being. This is a totally unique way to be a human. Um, and, and when they fall in love with that, that Jesus is leading us towards and, and, and fall in love with Jesus himself and what he offers and the life that he offers, then, then they can see that the assembly is this time to come together and encourage other people that are part of that movement um, so that we build each other up and then we can go out there in the world and work together to do the work that Jesus 
calls us to do. And so it starts at home. And I think that's one reason young people don't enjoy it is because they, you know, I, over the years, I, I've seen that so many times, especially when I was doing youth ministry, that the kids that got drugged to church on Sunday, and then their parents would ask me, you know, when their kids graduated and and just hit the door and never looked back. And they're like, well, you know, hey, I brought them to church every Sunday. And I was like, yeah, but it's more than that. It's it's that they have to see us living our faith on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, right. Saturday. Um, and if they don't, then then church is just an activity that we do and that it's kind of a, an option. I mean, that's Deuteronomy 6, right? It right. talks about when you're on, on the road, when you're lying down, when you get up. Like, it, it's something that you do every single day. Um, and Wes, you, you preach every Sunday, and uh, you are preaching to kids that are in there, adults, everybody in between. Do you ever try and think of uh, or frame your, your, your sermon on how is this going to address, how is this going to impact uh, kids and teenagers, and do you have a process for that, or has anything ever come up? I mean, I always try to... Uh, you know, I, I try to think through the sermon from everybody's perspective. I don't want to just like take five minutes and, you know, make this part directed towards men and this right. part directed towards women and this part directed to older people and this part. But I always try to, um, to, to frame things when I, when I write out my sermon, I start with, um, Andy Stanley has a great outline and that's what I, I use every time. Um, but he has this me, we, God, you, we outline. So you start with, you know, especially if you don't know your audience, you start with a, a me type of a, you know, this is something I struggle with, or here's a funny story about myself, or here's something dumb I did this week or whatever. Um, and then, and then a we thing where you you draw everybody in and you say, okay, do you see how we all kind of have this question or we all struggle with this? And, and for me, if if that we isn't relevant to everybody in the audience, if it's not relevant, if everybody can't see that that they have that question, then it's it's really not a a good we type of an idea. And so I, I think that we've got to present a hook or a question or something that we're all, yeah, I wrestle with that, or I have that question, or I think about that, and and it has to be something that's so general and wide that it, it catches everybody in there. And then I think, you know, as you go, as you go down the list, and I probably don't always do a good job of that, but, but I always want to say, you know, Hey, when you're at work or when you're at school, school and yeah. if you're a student or if you have a friend or you have a neighbor, and when I'm listing off things like that, I want to make sure that I'm including that and not just talking about how does this work in the workplace? And, you know, cause then you just tune out and you say, well, that, that doesn't apply to me. I'm not in the workplace. So I think just uh, you know, bringing up those things, but but making sure that the sermon as a whole uh, is relevant, and and that's what you know. Going back to everything we've been talking about, um, if we if we hope to engage our kids, and and even you know we've all sat in sermons, and you guys probably sat in mine and thought, well, this isn't really relevant. But I think that Never. even even as a, <laughs> even as a listener, I have even if I'm in a listening to a sermon that I feel like, yeah, this really isn't relevant. I I I personally feel a responsibility to try to figure out. Well, but he is using a text from scripture, and that text does apply to me somehow. So I've got to do my thinking and figure out how this is relevant for me. And so sometimes as a parent, that may be like Mikey was talking about when you're when you're leaving, talking about that. And if they thought it was boring, you know, then talk about it. And and if you thought it was boring, then say, yeah, you know what? Today was kind of boring and I didn't really understand how it was relevant. But let's talk about the scripture that that was being talked about and how does that apply to us? And you can move it away from the specifics of that, you know, that assembly and move it towards the text or move it towards Jesus and, and you know, and, and process that with your young people and help them to understand how it's relevant and how it applies. Right. That's great. Uh, you do do a great job, for real. It's uh, it's always a pleasure and not trying to boost your ego or anything <laughs> like that. But um, I really do appreciate that you do uh, come from the mindset of how does this apply to everybody? And there's lots of people, you know, and we, we haven't mentioned it too much, but people that maybe have never been to church and this would be their first time you know, or maybe that's the first time as a family that you've come, or you've only been to church a couple of times. It looks different um, of, of how to figure out how to bring your kids. And um, I want to wrap up with uh, what are some just quick words of advice for, or maybe maybe something um, a little more practical that you have done uh, that has helped your kids have a love for God or uh, be excited about worship. Well, I guess I will start um, by saying 
Hmm. My kids, you know, I love what Wes said about how really the primary reason that we all want to be here is because of our love for Jesus. And that is absolutely 100% number one. I would say maybe the next thing is back to what we talked about, the relationships that they have with um, Christians and friends here mm. uh, when we come to worship. And I guess I would say don't overschedule your family to the extent that they don't have time to uh, be involved with their friends at church and to allow that because there's so much going on with work and school and then there's and 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 then we say and church activities but just prioritize um activities with other christians and other christian families to put that at the top of your list Mm -hmm. and um the the issue that we have now is that we have one teenager in particular that does not want to leave on Sunday mornings <laughs> and Sunday evenings. That's and a we're, good problem to have. It is a great problem. We're looking for her because she is talking to her friends. It's like, we, we have to go we now. Go. So, but you know what? That That's a great, it is a great problem to have. And I love that she has people here that she loves and connects with and that she just wants to spend time with them and be here. So. That's awesome. Mikey? I guess I would say... Uh, to parents to think through being intentional about helping their kids um, be part of the worship service and and how that's going to work for them. I think it's going to be different for every family. I think um, when you have really tiny kids, you're in survival mode for quite a while and you just got to get through the service. And that is part of it. Um, But as they get older, we can intentionally find a way to help them connect. You know, if you have a child who loves art, encourage them to draw what they are thinking, what they're feeling, or what they're hearing. If you have a child who loves numbers, have them tally what they, how many times they hear words in the sermon. If you have a child who likes puzzles, you know, grab that children's bulletin and let them work on that during the mm-hmm. sermon. But figure out what works for your child to be engaged during the worship service. My advice would be to prepare, to prepare to be there. Um, it starts even on Saturday. And Mikey, I think, mentioned that earlier about you know going to bed on time. But but yeah, it does. I mean, it starts with, with going to bed on time, not staying out late on Saturday night, um, thinking of it. You know, it's funny, we think of school nights and, you know, there's certain things that parents won't let their kids do on school nights, but sometimes they have different rule for Saturday night. It's like, oh, but tomorrow is Sunday school, you know? So um, so, so prepare on Saturday night. Like we, we have the boys lay out their clothes on Saturday night in preparation for Sunday morning. We have them put their money aside for, that they're going to, to put into the plate as it's passed by. So they're, they're already thinking on Saturday night. And then something that I still for my mom is, is no TV on Sunday morning. And, and I mean, in our house growing up, that was a big rule. We do not turn the TV on on Sunday morning because you're preparing your mind to be there. And, and it's just amazing to me how much different my energy level is, how much different my attitude is on a day where I start watching something on Netflix or turning on some podcast no, not, not podcast, uh, you know, or whatever, you know, but, but if I start the day with entertainment, um, sort of, it's almost like starting the day with junk food or something, you know, yeah. it's like starting the day with a Twinkie as, as opposed to something healthy. And so, um, when, when you start the day, you know, it may be turning on, you know, some, some music to listen to or something that's helping to get your mind prepared, uh, to be at worship. So you know, just be very intentional about preparing on Saturday and on Sunday to, to be here and to be part of what we're doing. That's great. Yeah, I know we've talked about that. We could talk about this for hours, and this has been a great conversation. And we hope that uh, you have enjoyed listening to this. I know I have. Um, again, we've talked a lot about uh, mentioning um, the the things that we have just just said um, uh, of making sure your schedule is uh, you know not too busy. Uh, making sure that you. Um, making sure that you, uh, prepare, uh, and, uh, just have a, a good mindset going in. And, um, we, we do appreciate you listening and um, please rate review and subscribe. You can email us at hellofamlab at gmail.com. Again, hellofamlab at gmail.com. Wes, it's been a pleasure. Uh, it's always great to work with you, but, uh, great to have you on the podcast today. And, uh, Again, we will come back in just a second where we will, uh, the family ministry team will kind of.
talk about Wes behind his back, sort of. Not really, but no. We will talk about this a little bit more in depth, uh, and stay tuned in just a second. And we're back in the fam lab. I'm Barrett. Matt Mead is in here as well. And Kyle is continuing the conversation with us and our review of what Rosalind and Mikey and Kyle and Wes got into as far as talking about uh, how to help your teen or your child enjoy church, uh, but you just listened to it, and so did we. Uh, and so we're going to kind of get into some follow-up conversation. But Kyle, what do you think? Good conversation? I think it was great. Host was awesome. No, <laughs> yeah. it was a it was a very good conversation. I thought Wes brought some good insights. Uh, Mikey and Rosalind, of course, always uh, very wise in their thoughts and what they shared. So uh, very practical things. I, th- I thought... Uh, Definitely the younger kid thing was helpful just as a, a father of younger kids. Yeah, I am. I, I just feel uh, a great deal of gratitude and thankfulness at the end of that episode that I work with people that, that one, get it and that have been through it themselves. Uh, and I do want to plug again here at the end of the episode that, hey, have you found something that works for you and your family and your kids? Let us know. Send us an email at hellofamlab at gmail.com. Um, and we would love to get you on the lab results if that's something that you're interested in. But I mean, even if it's just us reading your email, um, that goes a long way for sure. Uh, just sharing the little things that, Hey, these toys are nice and quiet, uh, real practical stuff like that. Cause we want to help parents out. We want to help families, uh, get into church and that sort of thing. Matt, what'd you think of the episode, man? I thought I was really, you know, we don't like to use the word habit when it comes to church sometimes, because you know, habits sound kind of, I don't know if if cold is the right word, but just kind of rote, you know, just without thought. Um, but really, a habit is a reflection of a great degree of thought. You know, it's something that you've made, um, you've made an intentional uh, desire and, you know, intentional action uh, happen in, on a regular basis. And so, you know, I, those healthy habits of, you know, the way that we prepare for uh, the worship assembly, the way that we uh, apply the worship assembly throughout the week, and you know, the idea of one habit building uh, upon another. There's a, a term that I like that came from uh, a book from Charles Duhigg. It's actually a, a book about the creation of habits, and it shares this title of of the idea of a keystone habit. It's one habit that uh, eventually you know, leads to other positive habits. And so, you know, he gives the example of people that tend to exercise on a regular basis. It often leads to them choosing to eat well or them choosing to, uh, you know, monitor their sleep or these different things that uh, because of the implementation of one habit, all these other uh, healthy habits tend to flow. And I think that that uh, is really true when a family commits to being a part of uh, the Sunday morning assembly each week that there are uh, benefits that flow throughout the week. Who wrote the book? Sorry. Uh, Charles Duhigg. Duhigg. Inventor, Tough name. Inventor of the uh, Duhiggy. The Duhiggy, <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, yeah. I wonder how many times he's heard that. Probably zero. Probably, probably uh, zero. <laughs> yeah. I loved the idea. I think that it got brought up multiple times, and, and again, I, I like to see this. You know, it just shows up over and over in ministry and it shows up over and over <laughs> if you're paying attention on Sunday mornings, but how the parents' behavior um, and their habits are, are teaching and modeling habits and behavior for the student. And the student ends up, you know, doing the things and kind of, you know, in, in several ways, but our, our impact is parents and the family kind of, it's, it's all very, uh, we're helping each other create habits. It's cyclical, um, and I think that's so important that, you know, you as a parent are modeling how to behave in church. And uh, I loved what Rosalind said. We have to be mindful of um, negativity and and our kind of response to church if we get in. And the first thing is like, oh, man, that was tough. I barely made it. I was barely awake. I mean, I know, um, you know, my parents, uh, it, was, it was a little bit of both. But I remember getting into the, you know, the car after, and it would be positives and negatives. And I think that was good for me to realize that, hey, church isn't always, um, you know, this perfect group or this perfect place and that sort of thing. We were a part of um, congregations that worked out 
really well and things, you know, they're still going and they're still successful and some that, you know, weren't and we would, you know, move or had moved a church and that sort of thing. So, um, but our response to that as parents, uh, leaders in the family, uh, it models how our students and our teens and our children are going to respond to church as well. And so something to keep in mind for sure. Yeah, I uh, like what you said, Matt, about the fact that uh, keystone habit is the term that you used, building that um, that consistency and the little things that we do matter, whether it's a, a negative thing or a positive thing. You know, if, Again, if your first reaction is to, man, I hated those songs today or I didn't like something that was said or, you know, or you're just in a rush. You know, how many times do we are, are in a rush when we're going to church? because of one little thing and just kind of builds up that that morning you know you wake up as early as you wanted to but those little positive things add up to a big positive thing excuse me so the negative things um can add up to a big negative thing we have to watch our attitudes we have to watch how we present um i was recently talking with some parents about how you know middle schoolers and i think this is true for for any kid of any age, but they're going to act and react the way that you act and react, especially younger kids. And that goes up into middle school as well. But, um, you know, if you you act mad about something that's going to make them mad. I mean, how many times, I mean, this is just like a a weird kind of thought example, but I mean, a parent's attitude could ruin Disney world. (laughs) You know, if dad's not having a good time, uh Oh, you know, we're all walking on eggshells or whatever. Or if, you know, mom's upset again, you know, whatever it is, you know, that can ruin dinner and Disney world and good things, let alone, you know, a worship experience, which then can paint this, you know, uh, bad picture of church as a whole in a child's mind and make it that much harder for them to, um, make it a habit to get something out of it for that to be, um, something that they enjoy eventually to have their own, um, you know, have an investment or be invested in worship, um, so I think, yeah, we can't stress enough just the attitude that you're modeling um, before, during, and after worship. Mm-hmm. I think we also, you know, to that point, there are certain things that make something so much better. You gave the example of going uh, to Disney World, and, you know, if you were at a place like that, there are so many uh, cool rides and so many great places to eat and all these different things, and and yet you could waste a good portion of your time at the park just wandering around aimlessly because you didn't have a map or you didn't have, you know, the guest brochure or different things to help you get the most out of your experience. And sometimes we assume that uh, maybe our kids are more equipped to understand what's going on um, than they are. You know, we all have to be taught. We have to you know, be given the backstory on why we do certain things or, you know, the amount of vocabulary that is used in religious settings that isn't used anywhere else. You know, we need to prepare our kids with the kind of uh, guidebook or tools to, you know, really succeed in that environment and get the most uh, out of the experience. Um, we were teaching the first grade class on on uh, Wednesday night at, at our church and, and we were, uh, were given the story of the triumphal entry and you know I got going and kids are just kind of looking at me and and uh, one of them raises their hand and, and asks what the word uh, triumphal meant right and that was like the very <laughs> beginning good. of the story and you know I hadn't taken the time to uh, to put that together yeah I, I use this example with teens a lot like hey if you bring a friend to church and we're talking about the sweet lamb of God it's like, well, what does that, you know, because there's just zero connection for, you know, secular friends or whatever, or friends from school that don't understand Old Testament, New Testament, this idea of a, a lamb sacrifice and all these things. And we sing about it a lot in worship, you know. And so, yeah, preparing your child <laughs> for worship. And obviously, I think some of that's pretty common sense, but um, just being mindful of it's not just going to click uh, for a kid. And there are conversations that happened before during and after Mikey's really big on, um, you know, the during conversation of like, Hey, you know, let's fold our hands and this, you know, we're praying now and that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. I think that's something that I, you know, am learning from her and learning from watching her as having young kids that are, you know, a few years ahead of us and that sort of thing. I think one thing that is, you know, interesting about, 
you know, our particular, you know, worship background is, um, you know, we don't come out of a liturgical calendar or a set worship calendar that a group of churches follow every week that's already uh, preset. And so I think from the mindset uh, that we have, it tends to be really easy to uh, have a real consumer mindset because there is so much, um, you know, choice or preference into what songs are sung or uh, even the order of the worship itself that um, if we're not careful, we can, you know, really get into style and, and miss the substance. And so I think it's, you know, always important to uh, teach our kids that, you know, even if the style, you know, isn't your preferred style or, um, you know, if the particular order of worship that day, you know, maybe isn't your, uh, you know, your favorite that, you know, you, you got to be actively working to, uh, to pick up the, the purpose behind each one of those things and, and the message of the song or the, uh, the reason that certain things are ordered a certain way, I think it's really important. Yeah, I one of my favorite, I guess, quotes or something that really clicked for me personally was uh, John Eldridge, writer of Wild at Heart, and he's talking about you know church is not uh, built for like young men or whatever at you know a certain age. Boys just want to be outside, and they want to play, and they want to be moving. And so asking them to sit still for an hour is really tough. And I was like, oh, man, I never even thought about that. You know, just the idea of it's the opposite of what they want to be doing. And so um, really training and, and explaining there is some sort of, uh, you know, meditative process to this. And there is something, you know, it takes work uh, to sit still, and it is, an, you know, a betterment process, um, to be a part of worship and that sort of thing. One thing that Mikey uh, mentioned was the, the intergenerational worship and going back to that kind of example and seeing other people do it is, uh, you know, maybe a kid is having a hard time sitting still or, you know, paying attention or, or you know, families are wrestling with their kids and I'll have a two year old and sometimes I'm like squeezing her, uh, in a gently way, but squeezing her so that she didn't like run up and distract everybody around us. And I, I'm almost sometimes embarrassed, like, Hey man, just calm down so that, you know, I'm not drawing us, making a scene. Uh, she can see that it's not just mom and dad that are, are trying to do certain things. She can see a bunch of other people and she may, you know, she's two years old, but she, uh, you know, my oldest daughter, Grace, she can, see other kids that are participating um, and whether that is, you know, sitting quiet or maybe that is participating in a different way, but seeing that intergenerational thing is, is very impactful, at least seeing that this isn't something that just us doing it, our one family, it's a bunch of people doing it. One of the things my parents were very intentional about was uh, the time before and after worship when we were really little, um, and by little I mean you know, before elementary and, and throughout elementary, you know, we'd have to meet them in the foyer after class. And, you know, we were at a small church where you weren't uh, picked up directly from your room or whatever, kind of a small uh, town feel there. But, you know, we'd meet them. And then, you know, our parents were very intentional about kind of splitting up and going and visiting with different people in the congregation, checking in on some of the older folks and, you know, checking in on others. And, and we would be brought into those conversations each and every week. And so, you know, we learned how to uh, shake hands with older people or we learned how to, you know, address them. And, um, you know, we got comfortable being in that intergenerational environment. Sometimes we take the environment itself for granted without, you know, interacting with people that are in different age groups than ours. We might all be in the same room, but... Um, you know, that's not just going to happen naturally for your children. You know, you have you need to help make those relationships. And what's really cool is after time, you know, when you walk into the auditorium, you know, your kids inherit, you know, multiple grandparents or mm -hmm. uh, just these other people that are going to be asking them what's going on in their weeks and they will know their name and different things. But uh, those relationships take cultivation and um, intentionality for sure. 
I liked uh, where Wes was going with the idea of preparing, you know, the, we talk about a school night and then we treat Saturday night differently. And so I just wanted to maybe reiterate one of his points, but say it slightly differently mm-hmm. <laughs> in that, you know, saying no on Saturday for the sake of Sunday is something that I guess I've had floating around in my cranium for a while. But um, that's tough for me and Jenna and even harder now with a kid because it's like, yeah, we want to go and, you know, be an active family on Saturday. Uh, we want to, you know, still get a babysitter and go and have date nights and that sort of thing. All of that to say, like, if we're not in bed at a certain time, it makes it that much harder to have a good attitude, to not be rushing around in the morning. Um, and so I think we can't, again, stress that enough, um, that preparing um, mentally and emotionally for worship uh, to not just get something out of it, but preparing to bring something to the table as far as worship is concerned and um, being prepared uh, to serve your church family, being prepared to serve um, the Lord. And I, I think that means saying no um, sometimes on uh, you know certain days of the week and just preparing yourself for um, you know preparing your time and all those things considered. And I think, you know, as much as preparation is important and the goal that we're all working towards, you know, in the midst of of life, we're going to have many times where we didn't adequately prepare. And and so, you know, on the same kind of line is, is when we don't prepare, we need to overcome. And hmm. the idea That's of, good. you know, sometimes when we get out of bed, our first words are, I'm tired, right? Hmm. Or, you know, it's... This idea of making the choice that, hey, I didn't get a good night's sleep last night, but I'm not going to let that ruin today. Or, um, you know, I've got a lot of things I, I've got going on at work or uh, that I could be thinking about. But you know what? For the next three or four hours, I'm going to really push those aside and I'm not going to let them bother me. And mm-hmm. and whether that takes, you know, really putting my phone on do not disturb or whether that means, you know, intentionally maybe even turning it off for an hour or two and just uh, disconnecting in an active way, even though I didn't prepare adequately, I think can, can also yield dividends for sure. One thing that I like to do, and I don't do it as often as I would like to, but uh, during the communion Lord's Supper time, I try and read um, a, a selection from the gospels about Jesus doing the Lord's Supper or about the crucifixion. And I don't, a lot of people do that where you try to help them get their mind right or in a certain uh, uh, just line of thinking. But having Grace do that with me, and Grace can, can read and helping her, hey, this is what we're talking about, explaining things. Um, I know Mikey mentioned that, that make it obviously in terms that they can understand and explain things that, you know, it's not going to be scary to them or just real confusing, but explaining why things happen and why you as a a person love going to church. And and like you said, Matt, if if you wake up that day and uh, you're just real distracted or you you let something happen that morning um, or whenever it is uh, distract you and get you kind of off your game that day, that makes an impact on your kids and therefore um, you may not be the I don't know type of parent that you want to be or type of participant in worship um, but that overcome word that you said was was good you know those things happen sometimes we don't uh, have the routine down sometimes you know our kids aren't wearing the same shoes or sometimes our kids aren't wearing any shoes or you know maybe you have a young kid and they have a blowout in the middle of, of worship. I mean, I've had that happen, and it, it's just gross. But my point is that don't let those things distract you from really the point of being there. And that you have to be very intentional. I think from our conversation uh, with Wes and, and Mike and Roslyn, was, the word, one word was to be intentional about this. Yeah. And I think even, even if you do prepare and you, you feel like, okay, I'm ready to not only get something out of this worship— but really participate, which I could, I've probably done 2% of my <laughs> life as, you know, all right, I'm 100% invested in this. 
there are things that can happen in the church parking lot and Bible class and walking between Bible class and the auditorium that can get you totally off your game and where you're like, oh, why do I worship with these people? You know, whatever <laughs> it is. Uh, and so, yeah, being able to overcome that. Um, and I think, like Matt said, that's, you know, actively turning off the phone and maybe it's, you know, sitting with a really good uh, friend, a brother, a sister, and just, you know, reminding yourself of, hey, I'm here to bear with one another. I'm here to bear with all of these people. And, uh, you know, just kind of having a, a gut check time for yourself, um, making sure that you're right goes a long way. Because again, like we talked about at the beginning, you're modeling that behavior uh, for your children and your teens and everybody else. Mm-hmm. I think finding that, you know, that rhythm too, as much as you can. Uh, my family growing up, we were real intentional about never sitting in the same place twice. You know, we were constantly awesome. moving around the auditorium. For Carissa and I, you know, we kind of have a spot now that, that we sit in pretty much every week. You know, that rhythm has tended to work for us. And, you know, it just really depends. And I, I think there are values to both, you know, uh, in our section now. it You know, it's great that we're able to. Uh, introduce Hudson to some of the same people every week for worship and you know they help us with him and and different things and so you know that had some benefit but the intentionality of moving around also uh, really adds some benefit Uh, I liked what uh, Kyle was talking about with you know finding things during the worship service that uh, can help bring us back that aren't necessarily a part of the worship service Um, you know a communion example I remember one time at a, a chapel we had at the Christian school I grew up at, and this was in probably sixth or seventh grade, and I still do this uh, when I'm having a hard time focusing. And this was an example given to older kids, so it might be uh, not age appropriate for younger kids, but he would tell us that when we were starting to lose focus in worship to touch uh, just right below our wrist or uh, right at our the connection between your arm and your hand and uh, imagine you know where those nails might have been driven in for Jesus and um, so like during communion oftentimes I'll like rub underneath uh, my hand just right there and just that tactile uh, focus you know it's not anything big or it doesn't take you know very much time but it helps refocus me quickly to uh, why I'm there and you know each time you know imagining what that might have been like you know really puts me back in a, a mindset focused on uh, his sacrifice and, you know, hopefully uh, his resurrection as well, for sure. That's good. I, I always wondered what you were doing. Yeah, you know, I just <laughs> just rubbing my hand, you know. I just, yeah. just Matt part. makes a real big show of that. Yeah, so. I just hold it up <laughs> yeah. for everybody to see. <laughs> Very distracting for everyone, right? Well, guys, closing thoughts. We're about at our time for this particular episode. I think... Uh, for me, going back to, again, like I said earlier, be intentional, but hey, if you mess up in the, in the sense that things don't go the way you want them to, it's okay. Like uh, the thing I mentioned earlier, the example that older lady came up to Leah and that the fact that you, you as a parent, your job is to take care of your kids. Sometimes that means things don't go the way that you want them to, but your kids don't know any different. Like they they just know that you're there to take care of them. So again, maybe they aren't paying attention the way that you want them to. Maybe they're not um, sitting there the way that you want them to, or maybe they start throwing things and hit somebody like that's happened before. You know, they, they just need you. They just need to know that you love them um, and that you're your job. And, and that, again, it's not going to be forever, but uh, it is, it is your job responsibility, your privilege as a parent to take care of your child. And sometimes uh, you have to sacrifice, obviously, as a parent, things that you want so that your kids can have what they need. I just had a quick thought that kind of came to me because Matt and I have talked about this so much lately. Um, But if you, particularly for a teenager, if you notice that they are struggling with church and a lot of the answers to, Hey, what did you get from service was nothing. I'm, you know, it was boring. I'm tired, whatever it is. Um, finding that is something that is supplemental to, uh, Sunday morning auditorium style, you know, this quote unquote corporate worship that we talk about, um, finding a way for them to, uh, worship in their kind of their, 
love language for lack of a better term, but finding how um, they communicate with God best and how that they, they see and feel God best uh, is huge for, for them. It would go a long way for your families. It's something that we talk about a lot in youth group because we are mindful of, hey, you're trying to teach, you know, sometimes 60 plus teens or, or, you know, way more sometimes and trying to make them all fit into a particular style Bible study or a particular style worship. Uh, and that can be um, tough sometimes. So having that conversation of, okay, well, you know, you're 15 now. <laughs> so h- how do you worship? You know, what, what, how do you see God? How do you hear God best? Uh, is that when we're on a family vacation, we're outdoors? Is it, um, you know, when you have time to, you know, read multiple chapters of something that's really insightful and going to blow your mind every page? I've got a few students like that, and I cannot wrap my mind around that because it's so far from how I connect. But um, there's some good resources on that that um, Matt probably is more familiar with, but the Sacred Pathways is uh, easy to find, um, and that has been beneficial. And just having conversations around that, maybe not necessarily um, you know, teaching it verbatim, but um, having those kind of shoulder-to-shoulder conversations in the car with your student it would be beneficial, I think. Uh, so they're right at the end, a little tidbit for older students. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, God invented the love languages thing before uh, Gary Chapman monetized it, right? Uh, we're supposed to uh, love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, uh, mind, and strength. You know, he's already telling us that there are going to be uh, different components and different parts of us involved in, in that relationship. And, um, you know, we just need to be, you know, hopefully our worship services are engaging all those elements uh, each week. But even on the weeks that they're not, uh, we've got to find different ways to, to really love him uh, holistically for sure. Thanks, guys, for hopping in the studio, making it happen. Uh, thank you for listening. And do us a favor, rate, review, subscribe to this podcast, share with your friends and family as well. Hope that you guys get something out of this. Uh, Again, would love to hear from you. Let us know what works, um, how you have found your children to, uh, you know, get them involved in worship and, and how they enjoy it and that sort of thing. And we will now end with some live results. and I am here with some lab results. My friend Megan is here and she's going to share with us some of the things that are happening in their home. First of all, Megan, tell us about your kids and tell us some of their favorite things about church. Well, I have two kids. I have a six-year-old boy and a -a two-and-a-half-year-old girl. And um, my boy, he's the older one, his favorite thing about church is story time. He loves the stories in Bible class. And uh, my daughter, I asked her this question, what her favorite thing was, and she said it was donuts, (laughs) which I'm not really sure what she means by that, because I don't remember her eating donuts at church, but either way, she thinks of donuts. (laughs) Um, They have lots of favorite Bible songs and worship songs, too. Um, My boy, his favorite song is uh, Build Your Kingdom Here, and my daughter's favorite worship song is... Well, she has two. It's actually Ancient of Days and Hallelujah for the Cross, which I just think is really neat for little kids to like such grown-up songs. That's great, Megan. Now tell me the story of Elias making his own children's bulletin. Well, um, one of the days when we came to church, there was a special event going on, and he he couldn't find the kids' bulletins. And so we went to sit down, And it just didn't feel right to him. So he made his own bulletin and kind of drew it up like it was supposed to be a bulletin. And he made sure that he got it turned in. Um, And later, when he had run into Mikey, he was telling her about it. And he told her that they didn't have any bulletins for sale is why he made his own. We just thought it was so funny that... um, that he just felt like he needed to do that and took the initiative to do that and turned it on in on his own. I love that. Now, Megan, share with us a few things that you have done intentionally with your kids to help them grow in their love for church. There's definitely a lot of things that can be done, but um, I know one of the things that we do that's really easy to do is we listen to a lot of worship songs 
And um, this this actually, even for little bitty kids, they're going to ask a lot of questions about these songs. So it opens up a lot of opportunity for um, discussion of Bible topics and spiritual topics, even though they're so little. They still, they ask what things mean and they want to go into detail. And then they memorize the songs and it helps them learn scripture. Um, another thing we like to do is after worship, a lot of times we ask them what they learned about in Bible class. And, you know, sometimes they know and sometimes they don't remember, but they usually remember at some point and then get super excited and tell us something really random about Bible class that was really good. That's wonderful, Megan. Thank you so much for sharing with us. And if other listeners have stories from their home that they would like to share with lab results, you can write us at hellofamlab.com at gmail.com.